Yeah, I guess that was a stupid in, thing in for every- me to say. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Geek Chew, a podcast where we chew over the geeky things that we love. I'm Eamon. And I'm Charlene. And our intro music is by my brother Ryan. And this is our first foray into our, I don't know, deep dive series. I don't know how deep we're going to go. but Right. Because we're not, you know, comics scholars. That is that is accurate. And also... <laughs> That's a good assessment. Um, Yeah, I mean... Yeah. So, but we are going to talk about Love and Rockets. Right. Before we get started, I do want to thank you for taking the lead in this conversation that we're having today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because you're scared. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I We had a brief conversation about that just before we started, and I just directed you to the title of our last episode. Right. Um, and, you know, whatever. Uh, I know. It's just that um, there's so much. It's just kind of overwhelming yeah yeah i mean it's a very important series of books and we're only concentrating on the the jaime hernandez lucas um, i mean it doesn't even say volume one on it but essentially the first volume right maggie the mechanic i guess yeah there's a first lot collection of, yeah because they were like self-published and then monthlies i think and then there's yeah, I mean, I just... Collected works, and even this is printed, like, out of order, if you're looking at the dates. <laughs> is it? It's funny, because I wrote down the exact transcription off of the back of this book that says, the first five years of Locust Stories in perfect chronological order. I have that in quotes on Does here. it really? Because I yeah. could have sworn that some of them are not, but maybe they are. Um, but it's got the mechanics books... Or book, I'm not sure how it came out. The uh, first full-length graphic novel, which was uh, Las Mujeres Perdidas. See, this one was in 1985, and it's like all the way at the beginning. I I didn't write it. That's why I, <laughs> that's why I put it in quotes because I thought it was funny. That's Fantagraphics. You can write a letter to them if you have an issue with how <laughs> they're presenting the this volume. But it does have does publications it- spanning from 1981 to 1992. Yeah, but maybe it's um, chronological order for the characters. I mean, I think my impression is, and you have a lot more information about, I guess, the overall arc of the Hernandez brothers. I mean, a little bit, but even just this, this is Penny Century, that groovy chickadee on the road again, part two, Jaime 85, that's page 82 in the mechanics book. And then just Maggie versus Maniac, Jaime 82 to 83. So, so it must just be the chronological order of... For the characters. Right. Right. That's Not mis- publication. Right. That's misleading. Again, all I can do is direct you to the press office of Fantagraphics <laughs> and Bro. <laughs> I don't know. But ultimately, like, the point is the the books themselves are, are very influential. I mean, it's still ongoing, right? Yes. There are still Eleven Rockets comics coming out anyway. I'm not sure. I'm just not sure what format or i think they're mm-hmm. actual issues at, at at this point in time i know that stuff changes all the time it's not really uh we're actually just talking about this book right <laughs> and, and i think it was 
that was part of the challenge of how we were going to talk about this book because I don't have a, a good idea of what the books look like look like going forward. So we decided to maybe concentrate on three characters of Maggie, Hopi, and Penny for and then kind of build around that, right? So I guess so. Yes, a little bit. And so I think we've mentioned before that we have uh, a companion book that mm-hmm. goes along with at least the first 30 years of Love and Rockets. We're on, I guess, year 40 now at this point. Yeah, I like the companion book for just like referencing. I like that it has a timeline. I like that it has character guides. It is kind of fun to to look at some of the letters. I know you didn't go into all of that so much. Yeah, um, I spent more time reading the interviews particularly the Neil Gaiman interview with, mm-hmm. the, with the brothers, just because I, I, I found that interesting that they set up these two parties to, to talk to each other and have this conversation. Um, but I also just find Neil Gaiman interesting as a person to listen to talk. I like listening to his perspective on things. And, you know, it's even better, I think, when he's talking to somebody else who's also a uh, influential creative how they go about their process so i just i just like the interviews they also do a lot of interviews with i think um their publisher right Um, i didn't read any other interview (laughs) i only read the game and interview it took me it took me longer to get through this book than i thought it was going to so i didn't have time to really do as much of the extra stuff as i wanted to yeah um i actually finished it quite a while ago so maybe if i forget some things you'll be able to fill in yeah, blanks, but here's hoping. <laughs> yeah, I did like the interviews for their, uh, for their maybe candor about their process. You know, Gilbert and Jaime obviously have have different processes. I thought it was fun to read about how how their approaches differ and where their stories are coming from. And you know, they talk a lot about their influences and Archie comics and Peanuts and and they're just people who have like an insanely deep knowledge about about comics history and uh, independent artists. and But as far as the actual stories that we're reading, I was wondering what these stories kind of mean to you because you've professed your love for them for so long and I've put off even trying to engage. And I, I really love them, one, because they're like some of the first things that I read when we started getting back into comics um, because I was taking a, cl- a class and these were in the syllabus in the uh, to to read, and we read. Um, we didn't read Maggie the Mechanic, but I was familiar with some of the stories, and we we started later in in that timeline. But I think any time that you're learning about something, and this is so long ago that I don't remember everything I learned, and I, I was kind of hoping maybe I still had some of the material from that course, but. In our great purge, I I must have gotten rid of some of it Damn or you, all of Marie it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I I love that the stories are about real people in this interesting, specific place and time that have like real personalities and real life stuff, and the art is just so beautiful and so expressive i don't know you just kind of like i mean i think you'll see it even more with later volumes um like how much you grow to to appreciate the characters and their relationships with each other in this whole town and just like life there you know yeah i mean the art is incredible within the first few pages there's that frame of maggie working up on the in the power lines and i mean that's just like right there is where I kind of fell in love with the book and 
and at least how how beautiful it was going to be right like the line work is just kind of amazing and even just i mean the collection we read spans 11 years so you kind of see the evolution of this art and i can't wait to see what it looks like in in later volumes too and i could be wrong but i believe that jaime hernandez and possibly gilbert as well but specifically jaime is sort of feels like um about art that being able to express in as few lines as possible as you possibly can. And you can see how he kind of, I think changes his mind on his style at some points in the book, because there's places where he puts a lot of like line shading Mm -hmm. and then it's just other places just completely disappears. Right. I think also it kind of reminds me about how when Jake draws his stick figures and stuff, they're so not proportionally accurate and they're not anatomical. (laughs) They're, they're stick figures with long wavy arms and legs and, eyes and a mouth but like an eyebrows and it's like you always know exactly the feeling of that character just yeah. from like one the nuance of the stroke. expression yeah and that. Jaime does the same thing and I think you know and Jake was was drawing like this even back when I first was reading these books and that like connected to me on how you know I mean Jake doesn't draw as much as he used to at all. And I kind of miss that. And I think we've saved a lot of it, but obviously their art is not the same, but they're, right. <laughs> right, I don't think it would have caught on quite as, uh, uh, but like, there's just something about how that perfect stroke of a brush or a line, a pen or a pencil can really like tell you everything about what's happening in, in the mind of that character. And I mean, that's so hard yeah to do yeah it makes me uh wonder i mean they talk a lot about growing up and how much time they spent drawing but they must have spent just an ungodly amount of time like we just watched that in and of itself broadway show slash magic show and just how much time that guy must have spent you know with just cards in his hands yeah probably all (laughs) of his waking hours yeah uh same thing with art it's just the amount of um developed skill there is is unreal i know and like even like the faces maggie's face and hopi's face they're not that different like superficially right but like they're so different there's no way that you're like which character am i looking at in any given frame even if they're not in a frame together you know like you always know it's quite the trick yeah (laughs) and i mean to me the story is just kind of this masterful combination of like strip comics and ongoing series comics and it's kind of balances the the tone of a like a strip con like i used to read the sunday funnies right yeah all the time when you know newspapers were delivered to your front door um i mean they still will do that it's just nobody has it done (laughs) but you know just the tone in in the book is like it just moves from thing to thing and the characters they develop right the characters get older and they get different personality traits become, you know, entrenched or they change their, uh, their view on life, whatever, uh, stuff that doesn't happen in a comic book, in a comic strip. Right. Even when they are telling a story, like for background, you know, there's some flashback stuff and I, I like the way that that's done, but it's always kind of told from some outsider's point of view. So you also learn how that person fits into their life. So like with Speedy, who, it kind of explains like 
Izzy's life and how she gets to be who she is, but also it kind of, you know, it, yeah. it reflects on Hopi and Maggie too and, and all of that. Some of my favorite panels from the book are the comedic action of a, of a comic strip as it plays out on, you know, it's just very different from the comic books we usually read. Right. Um, I like how there's sometimes like random interjections of like a, a weird character that's not in the stories. And, you know, there's, uh, I can't remember which book it is and I didn't write it down or which issue it is where Jaime is narrating. It's like the last issue. It's the mm-hmm. last issue of, um, Las Mujeres Perdidas, uh, where he's like narrating kind of like the, this is what happened at the top. And he's drawn like this picture of himself telling you, and this is the last issue. And then yeah. there's like the weird interjections of like Roy Cowboy, just like randomly, like that's not a character outside of this book, but you know, you just kind of accept it as like part of, of what the story is. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I'm just super glad that I, that we chose to, to read these books. Cause I did try uh, to pick up the girl from hoppers at one point in time. And I just, it didn't uh, grab me. I had trouble finding my footing in, in the story. Um, I did remember a little bit about the wrestling stuff uh, just in the few pages of that, that I read. But I, I think that basically comes down to now is the perfect time for me to pick this up and, and read it as far as, I don't know if it's maturity or, or what, like, me being almost 40 equates to you at 20, right? It's like, <laughs> no, <laughs> just, uh, just as far as like taste and understanding, uh, the bigger story being told and how things kind of can fit together. And, um, that's like the nicest thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing better. <laughs> Sadness. <laughs> no, the, uh, <laughs> just made me happy that was really nice yeah Yeah, but when i picked up this book uh i was i was in right away you know i I said the thing about the the panel with her up in the power lines but like i was shocked when i turned to like the second page and she's riding a hover bike to her pro solar mechanic job and um you're kind of like what yeah (laughs) yeah just the fantastical elements which i guess kind of tail off after this book yeah Uh, but they were surprising. I mean, there's some fucking dinosaurs. And they're superheroes. And superheroes, which I don't know. <laughs> it was just unexpected because the book has, like you said, very real characters and very real situations and scenarios and relationships. And I can see why these books are a big deal. It's, you know, they're fantastic. Yeah. But did we want to get into maybe Maggie first? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's fair to say that, like, if you were going to pick one person that these books are about in its entirety, even all the way through, I would say Maggie is the star. So, and then Hopi would be a very close second, um, at least from my recollection. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, even though I know this one's called Maggie the Mechanic, so it seems obvious that Maggie would be, but even in the later volumes that are titled you know, after Hopi and, you know, and, um, and Penny Century. So they're really like stories about, about Maggie. I feel like she's like the character that really you yeah. get the most. So why don't we from. talk about Hopi first then? Just cause I, I feel like, um, it was maybe in an interview that I read in, in the companion book, but I think Jaime explicitly stated that she as a character just has less room for growth 
and it's never the story is never going to be like the journey of Hopi. Right. You know, she she basically embodies, I think, like the punk of it all. Right. Um, because that's I guess it, it's a sort of big part of the book. Uh, I thought I it think would have a bigger role. Just um, I th- it, it is. It's a it's not even sort of a big part, really, because it's in the background of everything that you see, you know, how how their hair is styled, how they um, are singing here and there. You know, those are, I, I believe, all lyrics to actual, like, songs in, like, the indie punk movement oh, yeah. in, in Southern California at the, in the, that time. I believe. You know, it's all, like, you know, a big part of how they are who they are. So while it's not, like, them just going to shows and talking about music, it's, like, an underlying Yeah, I thing guess that was a stupid in, thing in every. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know stupid so much as I think you get wrapped up in sometimes thinking about the other things that are going on. Yeah, just ill-considered. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks for roping me back in. <laughs> but you do get the impression that this is a, a calmer version of Hopi that we're even coming across now, right? There's the story uh, about the graffiti wall that right. <laughs> she wants to paint so desperately and she's trying to hold back. And when they eventually cave and go out there to do it and her interaction with the police is pretty entertaining and funny. But yeah. And I mean, and everything just always kind of turns out okay for them. It's, you know, like they all end up back home and like time book. passes. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. But also like, I guess real life too. Like they're not doing any, they're not like out. Not doing any hard time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny because uh, I think that's the issue. Loka starring Hopi um, is the one that, is one of the ones that's like very meta and has like the comics reference in itself, you know, like, Oh, I thought we were the ones who were supposed to be the depressed ones in this yeah. story. <laughs> um, it was also brought up earlier somewhere in, in one of the mechanics stories, like the, the self-awareness of being in the, a comic. Oh, it's when, when Maggie is hanging out of the helicopter and she's like, Oh, this is like being like, I, I feel like I'm in a comic book or yeah. whatever. And, and then it, it, it comes up again later in Las Mujeres Perdidas, where they are talking about um, specifically the the creator of the comics. Which is imagine like being Jaime and writing about your characters and what they would want you to do with them. Yeah, um, it was just fun. <laughs> I know that's kind of um, uh, a tangent from <laughs> what we were talking about about Hopi's. Uh, a progression, but it made me think of it because yeah, it was an no, I- issue. Yeah, I uh, I think that um, as far as Hopi's development, she seems like she does have like a hard line. She's got sort of like a a black and white view of of her world, maybe, and and when anything disrupts that, it's very difficult for her. Like when she thought Maggie was dead, you mm-hmm. know, and and her reaction to to that happening and. That sparks a change in, in the whole community, f- there in their whole like circle. Yeah, I think she also helps set the tone in the book right away as far as maybe what Jaime wanted to convey about sex and sexuality, at least you know in that time. Obviously, his main character and many characters in the book are women, and I don't think that I think that was part of what kind of set this apart from. Not only the fact that it was an independent comic book, just from any comic book at that time. And then there was some stuff in the interviews about 
the portrayal of sex in the love and rockets books. And I think this was both Jaime and Gilbert talking. Mm -hmm. Um, There wasn't a whole lot of sex portrayed in this book from the way the interview read. It seems like there might be a lot more in future books. Um, I think it's in here, but it's hidden a lot, right? Um, There's obviously very explicit stuff when they're in the house with Penny and like that big house with Penny. And that's obviously, um, but you know, I think all of the, the stuff that's more hinted at with Maggie and Hopi living together um, is not like explicitly shown like it was with like Rand race and dot and uh, you know, words, you know, explicitly stated like, Hey, we just, we're going to do this. And then we just did this at the same time. The first, well, I was going to say the first page has them both in bed naked. Um, And so, and I've seen a lot of other places Hopi referred to as Maggie's on again, off again, girlfriend and, the bisexual nature of Maggie, the character. Yeah. That hundred rooms story was uh, something. It's <laughs> weird, right? Yeah. But yeah, when it comes to Penny, who is, I guess, you know, the group is pretty big, you know, you talked about, should we talk about Izzy? And I think she maybe has more to come in, in future, uh, in future I, books. I don't know. I just feel like she's kind of an anchor in the story. Yeah. Right. So we don't see a lot of her adventures. We don't see, very much of what she does when she's not with Maggie or Hopi. I mean, it, there is a little bit like at the beginning, um, how to kill a, yeah, that was, uh, just as a tangent, that was, that story was disorienting, not in um, a way that would turn me off. But after I read it, I thought there would be more interjections like that. Like that. Right. It seems like it doesn't fit. And I wonder where it falls in the timeline as far as, chronologically when it was written (laughs) (laughs) yeah but i I don't know i feel like i mean like i said before like she's just kind of an anchor in the story for for these other girls yeah you can kind of get the impression she's a little older she's definitely yeah because she used right i mean she's married has been had been married um and then you know she used to essentially i guess babysit for for Maggie and, and Hopi when they were little. So yeah, she's older than them. She's in a weird place though. Cause she's still like hanging out with them, but you kind of get the feeling that like age isn't as much of a, a big deal for these people. It's more about like what they're into and their loyalty to each other maybe. Yeah. And so one of the later books is named after Penny century. Is that? Yeah. 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 It's- I haven't even looked at the titles of the other books. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I knew, I knew that, uh, the girl from hoppers was, was one that I had tried to read before, but Penny as a character, I think she, it was very strange when she just kind of showed up in the middle of the Zimbodian, um, heart of, yeah, it's weird whatever. to me how like people that they know just kind of keep, they, they kind of keep just running into each other or yeah. coincidentally like being around. And I think, you know, you can do that because if you're writing your own story and right. it makes for a better story, then she just like pops up out of nowhere, like almost completely naked yeah. with a machete in her hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just kind of indicated to me that what, like what you said, there wasn't, there wasn't going to be much in the way of set rules about uh, where and when characters could show up. Mm-hmm. For, um, it just, if he wanted him in the story, he was going to put him in the story. I mean, she seemed pretty out of place there. Yeah. Uh, what do you, how do you feel about Penny? Because I feel like as far as if you're taking the Locas, which are, you know, Maggie, Hopi, Daffy, um, Terry, Izzy, and Penny, 
I feel like she's sort of the one of these things is not like the other more than the other ones. Yeah, I feel like she is one of these people who was who's kind of beautiful and always been popular. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of been adopted into this group of misfits because she doesn't care about that kind of stuff and just cares about her friends. Right. Yeah. I feel like what keeps her connected is her like loyalty to, to her friends, especially Maggie, I would say. And, um, you know, just like their connection and how she feels about Maggie. I really liked her as a character actually. And, and even more so as the story went on. You know, she has this weird relationship with this Mr. Costigan, who I don't even, I'm not even sure what he's supposed to be. Um, um, I think he's an alien. An alien. But I don't, I don't remember if they actually, they may at some point, like, mention. I bet we could find out in our companion book. <laughs> <laughs> Where he's from or something. But yeah, yeah it's weird because he just has these horns and no one ever really, like, it, no one talks about it. Yeah. I mean, he does, you know, when Penny's like beating on him some, one time and he's like, watch the horns. So right. it's not like we pretend that they're not there. It's just not weird to everyone that they are there. Yeah. And he's like an older rich guy who he's the witch, wants to support wealthiest man in the universe. Right. <laughs> in the universe. It's a big one. It is a big one. <laughs> and he has a thing for penny right right and she just which you get more information about in later stories okay yeah uh but penny also you know he wants to support her but she has a kind of a a fierce independent streak obviously she pops up in the forest uh, or what or is it a rainforest i don't remember how they refer to it but and then there's that whole uh on the road again or on the road with penny again yeah Uh, a story where she's asserting her personality i think Mm -hmm. in a a more straightforward way than as a background character which she is for a lot of a supporting character not background right but um i think something that is like evident for her in her personality is her like love of superheroes and wanting to be a superhero yeah i have Um, that written down she wants she just that she wants to be a superhero and that like never goes away no, no, because it only comes up once in this. Well, it comes up a little bit more than like, because it hints like where she, you know, um, I wish I had written down more like page reference numbers because like, I mean, well, I think do, she explicitly they do have that says. Whole, right. I mean, where she asks Mr. Costigan to make her a superhero. Right. But, but then, then they also have the Maggie versus the versus maniac. Right. But then also <laughs> they're talking about uh, Maggie's talking to her about something and something having some sort of powers or whatever or weird things happen. And she's like, you mean like could make you into a superhero? And yeah. Maggie's like, I don't, I don't think like that. So like her ultimate goal is, all right, what can I do that might eventually make it so I could be a superhero? Yeah. It's, it's funny. It's, it's a cute running thread. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, and then there's Maggie who, when we start the book, she is a mechanic and she's going to work for this pro solar mechanic ran race and mm-hmm. his team well duke's team right right and her relationship with them is kind of funny uh and also a little heartbreaking i think <laughs> just kind of one of those unrequited well mostly unrequited love situations right <laughs> and and some of the most overtly comic booky slapstick action stuff comes from from her interactions with especially duke <laughs> yeah. lighting his pants on fire or whatever. <laughs> but I don't know. I just, I really liked 
her as a character, even though I guess it can be a little bit frustrating watching her go around in circles. Yes. I, but I, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. And you kind of think like, um, why is she making these choices that she's making? And she could, she can be a little bit of a hothead and maybe not so much as Hopi is, but I don't know, but she's so real and lovable and just like, so good hearted, you know, it, you can't help but like really just care about what happens to her and and just want to like know more, you know? Yeah. I think, I mean, my favorite parts of this compilation were her two big story arcs and mechanics and, uh, last Mujeres. That was uh, a fun one. That was fun. I hadn't read that one before. I mean, I hadn't read most of this before. I think I'd only read maybe the first third, but I did like that when they're yeah. lost in the tunnels and it's funny but it's also um it's also kind of heartbreaking, right? Yeah. Yeah, I I really like the letter writing device in the first story uh as as narration and you get to see I mean as a narrative device it's clever and fun and then you get to see her pals back home reacting to the letters as they come in and they read them. Um both those stories have in common the the wrestler Rena Titanion. Yeah. Is that T- how you would say I mean it? I would say Rena <laughs> Titanian, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, me too. You <laughs> sound a little better. <laughs> but I really love that character. I love her relationship to uh, Maggie. But we get a look at her past where, I mean, I guess she was a wrestler and a, a spy or some kind of superhero yeah, <laughs> as guess. well. Yeah. Uh, some of that art was also amongst my favorite pieces in, in the books. Mm-hmm. But in uh, her connection to Maggie's family, as far as the wrestling with her aunt and the back and forth and how it's constantly like a, a sore subject that she lost due to some um, dirty, dirty play. Yeah. <laughs> she, she used the ropes. Yeah. Um, she used the ropes. Vicky Glory uh, is Maggie's. I think sis, mother's sister, maybe, I believe. Not her, maybe father's sister. Yeah. yeah. Um, I I think it's father's sister, now that I'm thinking back. Anyway, yeah, it's weird because Rana and Vicky are like t- essentially like the two most famous wrestlers in the world. And it's it's just this like whole part of of this story that like is just like always right there as well. You know, like yeah, the wrestling, it's, it's such a big deal. Of- and like anywhere they go people know who who they are you know yeah i like that we get to see what made her so special what she's still able to do Uh, but by the end you also see the things that she can't do or the things that frustrate her that she's not able to do as well and how she's aged and you know at one point she's like i think i'm gonna they think they think that maggie and reyna are dead and uh she's like i think i'm just gonna stay dead for a while because i've uh you know, I think I can get more done. You know, her role. Yeah, she she's some sort of like ambassador. It seems like. Yeah, she really seems to have um, a, a large influence in kind of the geopolitical landscape of all these. I guess you would say third world countries that the. I guess team they're all just to. fabricated, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the book seems to have a lot to say about. You know, we talked about this a little bit before about the colonization of the rich or the ethnocentrism of people who come in and try to take over these. Um, poor countries and how how the fight of the indigenous people is kind of this righteous thing that that can be really sad yeah <laughs> you know the dr beaky and rio frio and 
God, that was nuts. That wasn't at the end. I did not see the end for Dr. Beaky. I didn't see that coming for him. Me either. <laughs> um, but it was satisfying too. Yeah. Very satisfying. Unfortunately, because he did um, get his throat cut open. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I, I didn't have a ton else to say. Um, I just really, I'm looking forward to reading the next volume. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's, there's just, there's so much in here. We could probably spend so much time talking about like uh, specific topics and, you know, race and feminism and, and all kinds of things. And, uh, you know, it's, it's probably just too much to go into. Yeah. Um, I don't think that we're, we're that great at talking about those things anyway. <laughs> I think we're better at, well, I like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, there's just, I, I guess my takeaway from that is that it's all in there without anything being um, like sort of sanctimonious and like, yeah. and preachy. I think one of the most impressive things is being able to weave that stuff in there, but also that he wrote this when he was, I don't know how old he was, but I assume he was younger mm -hmm. since it was 1981 or whatever when he started. He's probably in his early 20s, right? Uh, yes, the answer is. I'll tell you who wasn't thinking about that kind of stuff in their early 20s. Uh, I mean, um, yeah. I mean, that's definitely, I mean, you consider where we grew up versus where the Hernandez brothers grew up, you know, and also their ethnic background versus our ethnic ethnic back background. And I know that, like, I'm Asian or whatever, but I, I grew up white in a white community because you yeah. know um and so did you and in like a very very upper middle class to upper class area and so they definitely weren't things that we even looked at when we were that age you yeah. know sheltered a lot more information is available now also you would really have to go out of your way to to learn that stuff i think from That's, where we grew up. Right. Yeah, there was like hints and smatterings and stuff, but it wasn't something that was a part of our everyday lives the way that it is for a lot of people. Yeah. You know? Uh, anyway, I loved it. Yeah. Did, did you have anything else? <laughs> no. All right. We'll wrap it up then and uh, be back next week. We did a lot of movie watching and, and TV watching this week and comic books, actually. I'm really enjoying a lot of the new uh, DC and Marvel stuff that I'm catching up on. All right. Um, it's been good. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was fun. It was smart. We liked it.